just, we're going to jump right in tonight, because like I said, it's, it's not really a night where you're getting in groups and doing all kind of cool activities, but we've got some great um, information um, that we simply want to share with you. So let me start by um, asking you to do one thing for me with your card stuff. So this is where you're going to quickly do this for me, because you're going to mark it, but then you're going to send it up here to the panel. So it's going to be like, like a race. So with your marker, don't panic on me, with your marker... If somebody would be my helper, that would be wonderful. Miss Patty, if we could hand out more of the boxes, that would be amazing. I love you, Miss Patty. You're the best helper ever. Okay, so on the cardstock, what I need you to do with either the black marker or black ink, but really big. This is what we need from you right now. So what we're what our goal is tonight is to kind of get a pulse or a feeling of where we are on the anxiety scale. So all we are asking you to do on that card is to put a giant number one if your anxiety level is a number one. And we are using number one to indicate a low level. It's not something that's prevalent in your life. It's pretty much low on your struggle or issue honor. Does that make sense? But then we want you to go all the way to a five. So on your card, if anxiety level for you is a number five, and it's pretty hot and it's pretty intense, and the fact that you made it here tonight is a big deal, I'm going to ask that you just put a big, giant number five on that card, and that indicates the most intense level of anxiety. So our scale is one to five. I would like you to simply put a number. There are no names needed. Then I want you to get those up here to the panel as quickly as you can. Maybe one person from each table can be the runner. And then Jamie. Jamie's going to kind of be a good helper. So you just want to put that
If you are a number one and you are sitting next to a number five, that's a big deal because the number ones in the room need to know how to relate to and support and reach those number fives. Our number fives need to know who those ones and twos are to know who they can lean on. Our goal tonight is to create an atmosphere that is supportive and safe for you. At the end of the night, if we have time, we would like we will pass the mic just to get some um, strategies from you, but that is only if time allows um, for tonight. I do want to let you know also, um, sitting before you tonight are just regular ladies like you. We are no different. We are not doctors. We are not counselors. We are not licensed therapists. We are here, we are not here to diagnose anxiety, and we're also not here tonight to uncover triggers of anxiety. What we are here tonight to do is, is to let you know that we have walked through seasons of anxiety, or we are still in seasons of anxiety, and we get it. We know where you are. And we also know that anxiety manifests itself very differently in all of us. So what someone shares up here may relate to where you are, and then you may hear something that you feel like, wow, like I didn't even think of it in that, in that way. So I really think there's going to be a lot of um, aha moments, and I hope you do leave with a lot of really strong takeaways. I want you to know tonight that not only the panel, but I think I speak for everybody in the room when we say that we are standing with you and we're believing with you to get a grip on, on anxiety. That is the goal of the night tonight. Does that make sense? Okay, so it looks like maybe... Okay, there's still... Okay, that, that's great. That leads me into my very next piece, so we're doing great. So, what I'd like to do is get us started with the definitions um, of anxiety, because again, I don't... I, I need to make sure we're all working with the same understanding, or that at least for tonight's purpose, we're all operating on the same concept, or understanding of what anxiety is, or what do we mean when we say anxiety in this room tonight. So the American Psychological Association says it's an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worry, thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. Dictionary definition says it's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. The desire to do something typically accompanied by unease. A nervous disorder characterized by a state of excessive uneasiness and apprehension, typically with compulsive behavior or panic attacks. Other words that might fall under the umbrella of anxiety could be worry, fear, angst, stress, concern, and agitation. Hopefully the words are colored because I wanted to make sure we all understood Anxiety is an emotion. Anxiety is a feeling. It's an emotion and a feeling that affects our thoughts and does sometimes affect our behaviors. So I do want to make sure we lay that groundwork. Be thinking to yourself tonight, how, what word would you describe um, your anxiety? If someone were to ask you, what word would you use to describe your anxiety? Think about it. It might be one of the words that you see on the screen, or maybe it's a maybe it's a word you've made up because it's just so ridiculous that you know it's, it, it just falls into that crazy category. Um, and I'll definitely share mine with you later. Panel, are we ready? 
Okay, so what we'd like to do is we want to share with you how, where we all are on this scale. So we're going to let you know how many ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives. Do I need to pass the mic back and forth? Or are we okay? Here we go. I'm going to just let them go down and show you how many. So there were 14 people who had a one or in the 1.5 range. And so there's eight here that are their anxiety levels 2 to 2.5. There's 13 people, 3.5s, or threes. And 14 people rank themselves 4 of 4.5. And 16 of you are fellows. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for just putting your number out there. So now we know where we all are. And we're hoping that by the end of the night, we will all have spoken to you. I almost want you to think of tonight as a spectrum, but not really. You're going to hear from a 1, and you're going to hear from a 5 tonight. It's, it's basically what, what, what you're going to leave with. So I'm just going to give you uh, my little quick spill, hopefully, on um, how I have come to, to think of uh, my mind and controlling it and when it comes to anxiety. So I'll share my little tidbits with you, then I'm going to pass it down to Connie, and that's kind of how the night's going to roll. So first things first is I want you to know that your mind matters. I learned this a long time ago, but it, it, and it sounds silly, but I get it now, and I understand it now, and I stand on that concept that your mind matters. I read a commentary um, not too long, well, a while back, and the, uh, the writer of the commentary reminded the reader that God gave us a mind, he gave us a brain. He gave us the gift of thinking, reasoning, choosing, processing, and questioning. Therefore, he expects us to be good stewards of our minds. That stuck with me, and it rang true in my ears, and I started thinking, wow, I need to pay attention because my mind matters. Your mind matters. So as I'm standing with this idea of my mind matters, I come across a friend of mine who weeks ago on Facebook posted, your strongest muscle and your worst enemy is your mind. Train it well. And I thought, that is the best thing I've ever heard. We work out to train our arms. We work out to train our legs. We do crunches for days to get rid of the muffin thing, right? Why? Why would you not do the same thing with your mind? So tonight, I want you to remember this young lady in this picture because that is what she is advocating, that we take control of our minds and we train it because we can. I'm going to do a quick plug for strategies from the book that we talked about, The Right Kind of Strong. These are not just tips. These are calls to action. So listen carefully. It says, ask God to renew the spirit of your mind, examine your thoughts, Prepare your mind for action and defend and protect your mind. I'm not going into detail with these tonight, but I have read the book. And some of you are joining that book study. I promise you, it's a great book. It's worth the 12 bucks. Read it. There's a, there's two chapters for sure that talk about the mind and the emotions. It's a great, great book. Our mind, that's, I know that's not, anyway, <laughs> just go with it. Okay, so... Your mind matters, so what you feed your mind matters. And what you feed your mind should be truth, promise, and encouragement. That is something I have learned. I learned a long time ago when my thoughts are racing and I can't make decisions and I'm, my mind is crazy, go to my word. So I want to share with you Psalm 34, 4. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Y'all, you know what those past tense verbs say to me? Sought 
answer delivered, that is evidence that it's going to happen. It's the evidence that it's true. It's the evidence of deliverance. It's the evidence of overcoming. You can overcome. He doesn't say it happens overnight, but he says, if you call out to me, you will find me and I will deliver you. That is a promise and a truth for you and for me. Second uh, scripture that I stand on and is one of my favorites. Second Timothy 1 7 for the spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. You know why that's true? Because God says it true. He says it to me and he says it to you. Sometimes we forget it, but I need you to remember two of these scriptures. These are great. To, these are great go-tos when your mind is running out of control. So your mind matters, what you feed your mind matters, and what you do matters. I want you to listen to this very carefully. I'm going to repeat it twice. The Bible is not a self-help book. The Bible is not a self-help book. But if you help yourself to the Bible, it will transform your mind and therefore change your life. The Bible is packed with tips, strategies, actions, directions, and instructions. Heck yes, the Bible can help you. It's not a self-help book, but you help yourself to the Bible and you will see how it clearly tells us to live our lives because how we choose to live our lives will impact our minds. Does that make sense? Okay. So these are my three favorite scriptures in the whole wide world because I've had to learn to memorize them and say them in my car when I'm, when I'm crazy, when I want to say bad words and drop F-bombs. Like I've got to get, well, I got to get myself right and I got to get my mind right. The only way I can get my mind right is if I go straight to scripture and I do exactly what 2 Corinthians 10, 5 tells me. It tells me to demolish arguments and take captive every thought. So when my mind is not clean, when my mind is polluted, when my mind is fearful and terrified and running and it's running way faster than I can keep up with. I have to literally say, Jenny, take the, take it captive. Jenny, take it captive. Jenny, take it captive. Pull it down, pull it down, bring it into the obedience of Christ. As ridiculous as I look right now, that's what I do in my car. It's what I do in my bed. It's what I do on my couch. Sometimes when I'm having a pity party and I'm crying and I can't figure out why I'm crying. Well, it's okay. I go to this and I get my mind in check. Second uh, scripture that I stand on that I love, Philippians 4, 8 through 9. There's two action verbs there. Think about such things and put it into practice. What are the things we should be thinking about? Things that are good and pure and honest and lovely and right. So if I'm thinking about those things, I'm purposefully thinking about those things, then I can put those things into practice. So scripture tells us, put it into practice. What, it, what is the it that we're supposed to be putting in practice? We're putting in practice the things that we have learned from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from reading his word. He tells us how to take our thoughts captive. He tells us how to live a life where we can be in a, in, in a healthy, stable, mindful set. Does that make sense? All right. James 4, 7 through 8, it's the best. And I, I like it, but I get upset sometimes because people stop after the second sentence. There are three sentences. It's a three-step plan. Everybody's all about a 12-step program and a book that's got step one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven, and you can live your best life now. Well, I'm going to tell you right now how to live your best life now, and it's James 4, 7, and 8. It says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and God will come near to you. You cannot stop at step two. Everybody can resist 
resist the devil. That's the most famous thing. Rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. Rebuke the devil. That is fantastic. But then go straight to your word. Go straight to your promise and your truth and your encouragement. Get those prayer words out. Get those prayer thoughts out. And that is how you battle when your mind is driving you crazy and when it's running faster than you are. Just a quick story, uh, just so you'll know where I am. Today I am a level one when it comes uh, to my anxiety. But I was not always. In 2013, I was absolutely a five. I was a raging, hot inferno of a five. Um, I would have described my anxiety as terrified, confused, baffled, conflicted, and angry. And it was one night in that kind of moment when I discovered the comforting, reassuring sound of music. I'm laying in my bed and I am terrified. I don't want to do anything the next day. I don't like the situation I'm in. I'm not in a safe situation and I cannot sleep. And I remember thinking to myself, what if I would just get committed? That would be better. What if I did something where they would commit me? Then I would be in a safe place and I'd be okay. My thoughts were everywhere. And I was, I was paralyzed. I was sick to my stomach. It was, I couldn't, I couldn't get a grip on what I was going to do the next day. I knew I was going to work, but I couldn't tell you anything else. What was going to happen when I got to work? I got out of my bed. I laid on my couch. I'm thinking it was an iPod, put my earbuds in and I went straight to Jeremy Riddle's full attention album. And I laid on my couch that night and I stared at the ceiling in the dark. And all I kept repeating to myself was, say the words of the song, say the words of the song, sing the song, sing the lyrics, see the song, see the lyrics, see the song, see the lyrics. And before I knew it, I was able to get calm. I was able to get a grip. That practice in 2013, I did not realize I am still doing it today. So what at one time for me was something I resorted to to save my life or save my sanity in the moment has now become what sustains me. Worship music, saturating my mind with the sound of truth, listening to God speak to me from his word and hearing reassurance from his word. That is one of the biggest tips I can leave you is when life gets loud and your mind is loud, you drown out those sounds with the right music, the right voice. Audio Bible is the best. Sermon jams on YouTube. I mean, like they're amazing. I I went through a season where I listened to sermon jam, two and three minute clips of preachers who were just Say truth after truth after truth. And then finally, there's all kinds of like apps, like nighttime apps and prayer apps. Sound is so sweet to our ears. And for me, that's it. I'm going to pass it to Connie so she can share with you her piece. Thank you, Jenny. Good evening. So um, I'll just be honest up front, when Jenny brought this up at our meeting, I sat there very silently and thought, I do not know what I am going to contribute to the panel. I don't, I don't know what anxiety is. I don't really know that I've ever felt like I had had anxiety. And so I prayed about it. I spoke with my friend Rebecca about it. I spoke with my husband about it. And what I came to realize is I just manifest what other people manifest in a different way. And so what I'm going to talk to you about, my sin struggle all of my life has been overwhelm that turns into anger. So I don't become paralyzed. I become flat out freaking angry. 
and you might get the brunt of that when I get really angry. And so that's kind of where my life was. I had some childhood trauma, which I would not go deep on. And it made me defensive and it made me insecure and it made me very much um, independent. And I had to control things. And if you know anything about control, when you do not have control, you get very overwhelmed. And so when I would get overwhelmed, I would get angry and that might you know, manifest in a number of ways. And so I feel at this point in my life, so I'm a one, I was one of those ones because I've thankfully by God's grace, I'm in a period of overcoming, but I've been really blessed to realize that I will never fully be delivered. And I think that's super important for all of us to realize there's not a deliverance point until I'm gone from this place. That is when I will be delivered from this anger, right, that can sometimes boil up. Now, I have reached a point where I do feel like I can arrest it and I can stop it. And I, I will share with you in a little bit how I do that. So kind of my backstory. I have some notes here so that I don't forget where I'm going. My backstory is, um, so I've always dealt with this. It's been all of my life. But 14 years ago, I lost my mom. And like for many of you, my mom was super important in my life. She was my best friend. It was fairly unexpected. I had just had my third child. She was two months old. I was a full-time instructor at Nichols. My mom was extremely important in helping me with my kids, but also in just helping me with my life. And although I would never have told you prior to my mom dying that I depended on my mom, I found out very quickly that I did utterly depend on my mom for and in weird ways. So I became what I called incapable of everything. My mom was not a teacher, but suddenly I was incapable of being a teacher. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. I felt useless at it. It really rocked my world. And so... I started to, you can imagine, get more and more overwhelmed, right? So like the things that did overwhelm me, suddenly things that never overwhelmed me, overwhelmed me. And so in the process of that, um, I started seeking, I asked God for help, and I don't know about you, but he's slow. I mean, I'm just going to tell him, I tell him a lot, you are a slow man. What is wrong? And so I did everything myself, and I sprinkled some Jesus on top of that. And I was like, I just, I mean, I had always done it myself. I had control, right? I was independent and I was, I could defend myself and I just went about life and I sprinkled some Jesus on top and that did not work out very well. So, um, if, if you know anything about the devil, um, I I didn't, I don't remember a time in my life where I did not know Jesus as my savior, but I will tell you when I made a choice to turn to God, the devil said, Oh no, you will not. Because I was not a productive Christian. I was a believer who was completely unproductive. And Satan had accomplished a lot with me. Because I truly believe that an unbeliever is one thing. But a believer that Satan can get to be unproductive is just a feather in his cap. And that's what I was. And so when I said, Jesus, I need you in my daily life, the devil said, oh, no, sweetheart. You don't, you don't like, you've got this, you can do this. And so kind of where that ends up without getting into too much detail is when you think you can do it on your own and the devil doesn't want you to stop thinking that and you turn to Jesus, he lays it on. And so what was overwhelmed turned to anger became me hitting on myself. So when I would lose it, I would isolate myself and I would hit on myself. 
in places like your head where there's nobody's going to notice that, right? You're not going to bruise yourself like that. And I hit rock bottom and I thought, what in the world am I doing? This is ridiculous. And looking back on it, I see all the testing that God let happen because I'm not oblivious to the fact that God was in all of that. But I had to give up control because where my worry and fear and anxiety and overwhelm came from, because when I lost control, that was not okay. Life was not okay if I wasn't in control, right? And so for me, I never called it anxiety. I mean, I just had to fix this. This just had to be right. And it just had to go my way. And this had to work. And so I would get ridiculously overwhelmed. And so... You know, when the devil came that hard at me, I thought, okay, God, if you're all I have left, then you're all I have left. And I have surrendered, I don't know, count the days from that date till now, 14 years worth, a lot. Because friends, you surrender every single day. When you deal with whatever it is we talk about right here or whatever it is in your life, you will have to surrender at the foot of the cross every single day of your life. It doesn't go away. It's not going to stop But you can overcome that paralyzing thing. You can overcome that anger. You can overcome whatever it is for you. So like Jenny, I don't have as many scriptures as her, but I do have some hashtags, friend. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny loves, I always come, I always have hashtags, so she loves them. Okay, so I'm going to give you five. These are not in order and these are not steps, but I did have a, I guess, a strategy, you know, praying about this and looking back on it. I thought, so what did I do in those 14 years? What have I done to feel like I'm a one now? Because I wouldn't have said I was a one all those many years ago. So the first thing is I had to admit that I needed Jesus. So it's Jesus for the journey. That's my hashtag. If you read things that I post, I always put that. You need him in your life. You need to tell him every morning that you need him in your life. And then you need to pay attention to when you leave him behind. Because a lot of times that's where I go wrong. I just kind of leave him behind and I forget. And I promise you, he will stay behind if you think you're going to do life on your own. And so you have to have Jesus for the journey. So that's the first one. The second one is something Jenny mentioned, and that's to get in your word. When I first started this journey, I wasn't in the word. I wouldn't say I knew the word because I heard it read to me, but I, I wasn't in the word. So I started a regular practice then I started a daily practice. And then I started scripture studies and commentaries. And I'm kind of a nerdy academic researcher. So maybe some of you don't go that far, but I could spend way too much time just diving in. But I just started to get in there daily. It's not an option. I would tell you, someone told me this a few years um, after I started this journey. They said, Connie, you do not have time not to be in God's word. You do not have time not to be in God's word. Quit telling yourself you don't have time. Quit telling yourself you have too many things to do. You, Ladies, I'm telling you, you don't have time not to do it. It has to be a priority. The third thing is I, and this works for me, maybe your situation, it would not, but I tell people when I'm feeling overwhelmed coming on. So I will just alert the folks in my life. I am, I feel like I'm going to be overwhelmed and you know, I don't do it to manipulate them, but, but they get it. And so like the other night I got home from something, this was probably a couple of months ago and my daughter had emptied the dishwasher, which is my chore, right? But she had done it. Y'all, I know why she did it. Because she knew I was just right there. And and, though, and so I don't tell them to manipulate them. I would never recommend that. But, but they need to know when you need help. 
They need to know when you're right there. And it's just one more thing that might send me over the edge, right? And so you need to tell people. The, the fourth thing is um, a scripture verse. And so I adopted First Thessalonians. I think this stuff is coming up on the screen. I don't know. I, had, I sent the email, but maybe they didn't. So I'll say it really slowly. So First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Um, two of the verses are just two words. So that sounds like a lot, but it's not. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in everything, for that is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And I think you have to really pay attention to the end because God's will for me, his will for you is to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in everything. And if that's God's will, like Jenny said, it's not a suggestion. He's not saying, hey, Connie, try this out. It might work. No, this is my will for you. Do it. And so just so you don't get freaked out, continually and continuously mean two different things. I used to teach this to my business students. Continuously means you never stop. Your heart is continuous, hopefully. Continually just means over and over and over and over again. I do this all the time. I tell my sis all the time. I call them prayer thoughts. So if I catch myself where I'm a little aggravated, I'll say, oh, where's your prayer thoughts? Have you had any recently? What are you praying about? Are you praying about anything? And so that's my verse. I say it a lot to myself, even if it's just the pray continually part when I'm in the middle of something, but that has been super helpful to me just to remember that that's what God wants for me. And the last thing is another hashtag and it's do the next thing. This is something Rebecca and I talked about when I talked to her about this whole thing. Um, you just have to do the next thing. And that's what I learned in those years where I was really struggling because sometimes I'd lose it in front of the washing machine. Have you ever done that? Like the laundry is about to eat me because it multiplied overnight. It has babies. I know it does. I did not have that much laundry yesterday and I didn't want to do the laundry. And so I just really learned in prayer to just do the next thing. Just pray about the laundry, right? Thank goodness I'm not on a washing board with a soap, like my grandmother would tell me. You know, just do the laundry, do the next thing. And so in Exodus 14, a lot of people like to quote um, 1414, where Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I like when people quote that. Um, but I think we miss that right after that. This is what God says. So Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, divide the water so that the Israelites can go through. You don't just sit still, folks. You have to do something. And God's pretty clear. What are you doing? Why are you sitting there? Go. And so that's my thing. So it's hashtag do the next thing. Because I think, you know, the journey is real. It's not a day, it's not two days, it's not a week, a month, a decade, it's a lifetime. And so for me, those are big things that help me to stop the overwhelm. It doesn't stop my to-do list, don't get me wrong. It doesn't change how many things I have to do. It changes how I respond to the things that I have to do. And so my encouragement to you is rejoice always, pray continually, and then give thanks in all of that because that is what God wants for you. Really good. 
All right, so I am Pat. Um, mine is uh, what I'm going to uh, contribute is just a little bit more practical on the practical side, uh, mainly because I'm a teacher and a counselor at school, at the school that I work at. And so um, during my day, this is pretty much what I handle, I would say, the majority of the school day. Um, when I am counseling, it's dealing with um, either students or adults on campus with either fears or anxieties. And so... Um, some of my scriptures are the same as Jenny's, but we're going to go, I'm going to go ahead and read them. So I have three verses that I work through with either students or the adults that I'm working with. And the first one, second Timothy one, six through seven. And it's, this is why I remind you to keep using the gift that God gave you. when I laid my hands on you now, let it grow as a small flame grows into a fire. And with that, there's a couple of different things. Um, a couple of points of imagery. I use a lot of imagery with the students that I work with. And so when you think about that it says um, that gift is going to be the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit's living on the inside of us when we accept Christ. And so let it grow as a small flame grows into a fire. And sometimes we feel like our ability to overcome these fears and these anxieties or that overwhelming feeling. A lot of times we feel like the ability to be able to do that is so small on the inside of us, but it, you know, the writer is reminding us that we have the power of the Holy Spirit and he is going to help us for it to flame into this great raging fire is kind of the way I, I try to get that imagery into them is that you are powerful. And then the rest of it says, God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid. So we don't have to be afraid. We have, we're equipped already with what we need to go into battle. We just have to, like um, Connie was saying, it's our job not to just sit still. Yes, God can do it, but God is also calling us into action. And so that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to hold his hand through this. He wants us to partner with him in, in attacking this. And so God doesn't give us that fear that makes us afraid, but a spirit, but a spirit of power. So we have the power to overcome anything that rages itself against us. You have that power on the inside of you. And he does it because he loves us. He's given us the spirit of love and of self-control. And so that's kind of what I start to work through with um, the people that I work with. And then the next one that I have is Romans eight eleven, where it says the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. And I just use that to either remind, remind myself or to remind them that can you imagine the power of raising Christ from the dead? Like, is there anything more powerful than that? And that's on the inside of us. It's living within us and it's giving us, it's equipping us um, that power that we need to be able to come overcome those things that we're really struggling with. And then the last one is the same one that Jenny used. And it's just powerful when we think that we have the ability and the power to be able to do this. Second Corinthians 10, three through five, um, the, the section that says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. <clears throat> Excuse me, because when you think about it, our world, I think some of the words that are used most in our world today is anxiety. Um, I just hear students so young using that word. And so many times I think, well, how did you hear this? Or where did you hear this from? But a lot of us that are living in the world and a lot of our friends and our family members, they are waging war like the world does. And it's overcoming them because they're not utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within them for the large part, because most of them don't have that living on the inside of them. And so 
but we do. So we're not waging war like the world does. We're waging war with Christ, right? We're waging war with the one who's going to lead us through this. And then it says the, the weapons that we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish every stronghold. And I would just encourage you to remember that. Remember that you are powerful. You are more powerful than you feel when you are feeling overwhelmed or when the anxiety and the fear seems like it's so much bigger than you. You have the power that you need. And then it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. There's nothing that can set itself up against you that you, through the power of Christ, cannot overcome. But you have to be able to, to take captive every thought every. And that's sometimes where we start to get lazy or we just get tired and we just get overwhelmed and we get exhausted and battling over and over. But Christ is giving you everything. The word says that he's equipped you with every good gift that you need. And that's for everything in your life. And so if the word says it, then that means that we have it and we have to, to learn how to utilize it. So we're going to take captive every thought, every single time, continually, we're going to take those thoughts and we're going to make them captive, obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once our obedience is, um, is complete. And so, um, I do just want to encourage you that like, I understand that so many times when we're dealing with fears and anxieties, we feel defenseless. We feel defenseless because it's our mind waging raging war on us. And then a lot of times and more times than not, it's not just your mind, it's your body, right? It's the physical side of it. It's that physical side that takes control and that kind of overwhelms us. But just remember that when you feel like you are defenseless, go back to those truths in those scriptures. And you, that's what you have to hang on to. And that's what you have to rely on. And so um, the next thing that I kind of, um, teach my students to do is, um, so we have a maintenance person on campus and if you work at a, you know, an office or something like that, most of you probably have some type of maintenance personnel that works there. And so I try to get them to get that image of, you know, think of our little maintenance person or think of someone that, you know, and, um, for younger kids that, you know, like we pull out Bob the builder, you know, um, but when you think about it all, any type of maintenance person or anyone that does any type of handiwork, if I have 25 things, or if I have 25 jobs that need to be done, no matter where it is, and they have no tools to do them with, how much work are they going to get done? absolutely nothing, right? If you have a few tools, well, then they might be able to get some work done, right? But if you have a tool belt that's full of tools, what can't you do, right? Like you can get anything done. So the more tools we have, the more we can get done. And so I just want to encourage you, rely on Christ, rely on him in you, rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, and then equip yourself with the tools that you need to make that successful within you. And so your main goal to me is when we have those feelings of fear and when we have those feelings of anxiety, really it's our mind, right? It's, it's Satan just wrecking havoc on our mind. And so the goal for you is to, to have control over the fear and the anxiety. And that is the part that I know and I understand is really difficult. 
And so I'm just going to take us kind of quickly through um, the, the tools that I like to give people. Um, one of them was already said, but I think it's so important, which would be scriptures. You should have um, your main scriptures, whatever they're going to be. And I just encourage you, if you don't know a lot of scripture, that's okay, because probably we all own a smartphone. And so you just type in scriptures on, and then you fill in the blank, whatever it is. It's just so easy and practical today. And so you're going to come up with a list of at least 25 scriptures, go through, find three, I recommend three that are going to speak the most to your situation, what you are dealing with, and that have that thread of being easy to, to, to memorize. And then try to get them to memory, but then also set up a notes on your phone. Like I said, I'm, I'm a pretty practical girl. So this might be too practical for people, but I'm pretty practical. So get a notes on your phone. Um, and then from there, go ahead and write your scriptures down and put them on index cards and plaster them where you need them. We're going to talk about where your triggers are in a second. So wherever you need them, get those scriptures and place them in sight. Make sure that you can see them. The next thing is going to be worship. Have your go-to worship songs sample, call any of us, just find out what, you know, what types of songs you need. I feel like you're always going to have like a mantra song, right? Um, I have a couple of them and I have a couple of them for different categories. I have the ones like if I just need to go and cry my guts out, I've got those. And then the ones true. And then the ones where I feel like I need like strength, I have those, but find your like songs that are just your mantra. And with those, put them, write the names of them on your notes again, that little note that you're going to keep in your phone and just make sure that you have them and you go to them when you need them. Um, and then this one is really practical. You know, the little small Bibles that like, I don't really know where you get them, but I feel like they, yeah, but like in general, like where do you really get them? But I feel like we acquire them. I don't know. I just know we acquire them. Yeah, I just know that we acquire them. I, I, maybe, I don't know. I just know that we, we have a lot of them at my house. But those are beautiful because it's the word of God, which is our best weapon of defense, right? That's what we can go on attack with. So you take one of those small Bibles and you put it where you need it. Keep it in your purse. Keep it under your pillow. Keep it at work. Keep it wherever so that when you're having one of these issues come up, you have it, you can hold on to it, you can say your scriptures, read your scriptures, go through your songs, but the word of God is close to you. And I feel like we can draw power from that. Um, a next one is know your triggers, right? We need to know our triggers. Our triggers are going to be the places or the people or the situations where we tend to know that these situations come up. And I do understand that sometimes it's, you know, it's all of a sudden and it's not something, it's not a routine thing that we encounter, but a lot of times it is. Know your triggers, write them down on that note that you created in your phone. You have to know your triggers. And then also when these situations arise, you need to know your physical response to them. How is your body reacting? How do we, most of us, we tighten up, right? We clench up. We, we've got the move going on. This is like one of my students, you know, like you can just see it and like I can watch them in class and I'll know the ones that, you know, I'm working with and I can see them already. We tend to close up. Our heart starts racing, right? Sometimes we start sweating. Know how you react to your triggers. Write it down. And then from there, the next thing is going to be um, just a couple of other practical things. Make sure if you know that it's a certain situation, 
do things like don't drink caffeine. You know, like if it's a situation that you know brings on that anxiety or that fear, keep yourself, refrain from caffeine. Make sure that you're sleeping well, um, you know, before that. Make sure that before you ever put yourself in that situation that you're going to do some of the relaxation things that we're going to talk about. Um, and then the next one is going to be my little things that I get students to walk through when they're in the height of a fear or a panic attack or, or some type of anxiety. So when it's actually occurring and when it's happening, a lot of times they'll call me to them. And so one of the things is um, we have to first get the body to stop reacting to the situation, right? And so I just encourage you, one of the things is um, make sure that when we tend to close up, make sure we're opening up. Make sure that you're sitting back. Um, those tight fists that we tend to do in, in our, our arm muscles, they, they tighten up. Make sure that you're doing just simplistic things of taking that deep breath and slowing your breathing down. But one of the things I like to tell people to do is rub your hands down your leg just real slow. And each one is a breath. So you take your deep breath. And you just make sure that your hands go all the way down your legs. One, it stops you from moving. And two, it's going to relax your whole entire body at the same time. And so write the things that work for you down. Um, another thing is we do, um, I like to tell people to put themselves in a glass elevator take a peace walk or walk with Jesus or do all three at the same time. And so get, we all have that place. Mine's the beach where it just relaxes me. It's kind of like my go-to. Some people, it might be the mountains. It might be a hunting thing, something deer stand thing, whatever deer stand, you know, something, whatever. I don't know. That's obviously not mine, but it might be yours and it's okay. Wherever it is, it could be a comfy spot in your room, your house, whatever it is. That's your place and know your go-to place. So another thing that you can do is if you're in a group of people and you need to get away, go to a bathroom stall. They're beautiful. Like that's a great spot for you to just take because you can sit, and, you know, like you, you got to be practical. I'm a very practical girl. So you can sit, you can get away from everybody, but you can put yourself in that spot. And so the glass elevator is this. It's really, really helpful. Um, so you kind of close your eyes, you, you're doing your breathing, you're opening up, but you're picturing yourself in this glass elevator in your space. So for me, I'm like literally in the middle of the beach and there's not another soul around and I'm on the 20th floor. And so a lot of times I'll tell people, sometimes for some of us, we need more comfort. And so for some of us, we need to, to know that Jesus has his arms wrapped around us. So he's in that elevator and he's holding you tight, so tight that you feel so safe and so secure and walk yourself through that. And so in that elevator or on that walk or on that journey, if you picture yourself, like if you're in the elevator and you're on the 20th floor, then picture yourself, take a deep breath. And as you exhale, you're picturing yourself going to the 19th floor and like picture yourself going down, but it's going to do two things. One of them, it's going to slow your body responses down, but you're controlling your mind with the help of Jesus Christ. And so where our mind was taking control over you and bringing you into the fear and the anxiety and the overwhelmingness, you are now making it focus on something totally different. And that's all that has to happen. So once we're able to get in control of our minds with the help of Christ, and we're able 
to show the fear and the anxiety that we now have control over it to whatever we're thinking, that's what we're focused on. And so it really does work. And so I just encourage you, um, to, to put yourself in that spot. Um, quickly, the other things I have, um, for some people, it might be writing, it might be journaling, it might be drawing. For some people, it might be a couple of yoga techniques that you might need. Um, you know, whatever your thing is, exercise is great because it releases endorphins and serotonin, which nat- naturally calms us down. And so you have to find your physical um, opposite of what the, the fear or the anxiety is doing to you. Um, and then the last one is just remembering that, um, going back to that one verse and just remembering that one, you are a beloved child of God. He loves you like nobody else on this earth could ever love you. And he's given you that spirit of control, self-control. He's given you that spirit um, of love and of peace. And like, that's, that's what he is. And so use that and walk with him through this journey that you guys are going to be on. All right. Thank you, Pat. <clears throat> okay. I am, uh, my name is Jamie and, um, I just want to say that tonight I ranked myself as a 1.5. Um, but I just want to encourage you, if you're hearing people's stories tonight, that you don't have to live as a five forever. That isn't your number forever. Don't think that number you wrote is you. That's not. I feel like anxiety is either growing or it's diminishing. And our prayer for you tonight in the heart of this tonight is that you would be a zero. <laughs> you know that in all things, we would trust him with it. And so my story, I'm going to keep it brief because I think we're almost out of time for the panel. Um, I just want to share a little bit. Um, in, um, I guess like t- 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, um, I just went through a period where I really, really struggled. Um, my marriage was rocked. Um, and just, we went through a hard time and I, it was very private and super personal for me. And, um, but in that I started having insecurities that would, I think, um, display themselves as anxiety. Like I started saying, but what if this happens? What if this happens? And then I am an overthinker chronically, like I can't shut my mind off ever. And so, um, I would just say, but what if, what if, and what if, and about that time. So I just, I picked up this book that had been sitting on my thing and it's so long insecurity. Uh, by Beth Moore. So if you want to have a tool in your tool belt, like Miss Pat talked about, this is my tool. This is my go-to. And so I read through this book um, in 2011 because there's a prayer right in the middle, which is amazing. Because, you know, some books wait, make you wait for the prayer at the end and you're like, stop. I need Jesus right now. Um, that's how it was. And she just put the prayer in the middle. I'm like, oh, thank you, Beth. And so um, I dated it and it was just prayer. And there's like all these black, nasty mascara marks on it for me, like sobbing and being like, yeah, that's, that's exactly who I need to be. And, um, and this was the prayer part of it that really stuck with me and became my tool that I put in my tool belt. Make me the kind of woman a little girl could follow to dignity and security. And the verse that anchored that for me is found in Proverbs 31 that says she's, um, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. And when I tell you, I said that one verse, I didn't have 20 verses. I had one, but that's actually two verses, but still. And this is how I said it because I'm a bad memorizer of verses. I said, I am clothed in strength and dignity. I will laugh without fear for my future. And I'm going to be the kind of woman that a little girl could follow on a path to strength and dignity. And I had babies, you know, my baby was like one year, maybe one year old when I wrote this. 
I had baby girls that I said, I want them to see me be a woman of strength and dignity, even if the worst thing happens in my marriage, even if the worst thing happens in my life, that I would walk that out. And so it just became this life song for me. Like I will. And I started praying in James where it says, ask for wisdom. I'm like, God, I'm going to ask you every day for the wisdom. And so, and so it really just became my life's song. And so if you want a tool in your tool belt, I would encourage you that this book, and it's scripture-based. She's really just teaching you the scriptures. Um, it's probably a whole bunch of scriptures, but um, but there's just different ones. And she said this, um, what would happen if in the moment you feel hit by that miserable wave, which anxiety is, it's like this wave that comes over you and you can't move. I just remember sitting in my upstairs room with my back against the wall and my babies were all playing and like my back. And I was like, I can't even move. Like I couldn't even breathe. It felt like, what am I going to do? Like that kind of anxiety, which let me preface that too with, as I shared with the group on Sunday, I've never struggled with anxiety before. So this was shocking anxiety to me because I was overly confident all the way until that year when my life got rocked. And I went, like I had the most confidence. These people can testify to my right and to my left. I was obnoxiously confident. Like, hey, I'm here. Hey. And like all of a sudden my world got rocked. And then I went, but I don't want to, like, I just started backing away and and isolating in some ways. But she says, what would happen if in that moment you feel hit by that miserable wave if you remind yourself emphatically that you are a God-clothed woman of valor and you have the privilege to wear divine strength like a garment, like it's something you're putting on is this strength and dignity. You can choose to walk in insecurity, anxiety, all the things. And some anxieties are clinical. I know that. But some anxieties, we're choosing to put on anxiety. In the morning, we say, oh my gosh, what if this happens today? And we just we just like wear that like this little thing. Like, you know, like this thing is hiding my... um my roles. So like, like you're choosing, sometimes we choose anxiety as like, I'm just going to snuggle right up into that anxiety. Like, no, you can choose strength and dignity. And that became so obvious to me. And then again, probably five years later, four or five years later, it felt like, so I, so I overcame. It was, it was, um, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I don't struggle. But then it was just another moment of surprising anxiety for me where, um, there was just a situation that gave me so much anxiety. And unfortunately it was here. It was in the walls of this church where I felt like, and it was just one, maybe two people who I felt like they, there there was a certain way they treated me. And it gave me so much anxiety that literally I would walk into church and go straight to the bathroom. And my husband, Billy would be like, are you in the bathroom again? And I'm like, yeah, my stomach hurt so bad. But, and then it took me like a month, two months, three months to realize I was walking again in anxiety and it doesn't. And then that perception, because I didn't control my thoughts. I didn't take every thought captive became no one wants me here. Why am I here? Like, and I would sit back and think through not being here because clearly no one wanted, wanted me. And it became such a twisted, like, it was, it was way more about what I did in my own head than what anyone had ever done to me. And so I allowed my thoughts to just run wild with, well, if they treat me like that, probably everyone else feels the same. And, um, and I had, to, so I reread the book, you know, I just said, Jamie, you, so, and, and God is so faithful through both of those situations, because what I realized in my marriage and in friendships is that my foundation, my whole life had always been people always I was social. It was easy for me. Like, you know, it just wasn't a big deal. And God said, I will systematically take away every single thing you lean on other than me. And it was my husband. It was friends. 
and anything that you value more than him that you idolize, he will strip away. And what we see as anxiety or what we see as insecurity is his way of saying, that thing is not what you need to lean on. I was like the person in Matthew who did not build her house upon a firm foundation. I was on a sandy shore saying, well, if my friends treat me right, well, then I'm good. If my husband does everything I ask and he's amazing, I'm good. But it was never saying that no matter what happens, I will walk in strength and dignity. And so I would just encourage you tonight that um, wherever you're at on the anxiety level, um, that you are a woman covered in strength and dignity. That's who he says you are. And, and God is not a liar. So that's who you are. And the things that we see as maybe what causes our anxiety, causes our insecurities. Because for, for me, anxiety was linked to my own insecurity. Like it, it just was. I was so insecure and I didn't know it. I had no clue. It blew me away when I read her book. I went, oh, I've been insecure my whole life and I didn't know it. Um, and so my prayer and our prayer tonight is that you would not be a five forever, that you would clothe yourself when you wake up in strength and dignity and that you'd be a woman that other little girls want to follow. And they say, like, I want to be just like her because she's so much like Jesus. And that became my prayer. And it's still my prayer because there's moments where I can still feel that grip of my stomach tightening and I, I can feel it like a certain situation happened. And you know it, your stomach tightens, you shrink back and you say, whatever that trigger is that Miss Pat talked about, like my trigger can be like, wait, hold on. I think, I think she just, um, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go over there. Like, you know, and no, like I'm, I'm going to walk in strength and dignity. I'm a love like he called me to love. And as it, you know, in our thoughts, if we don't take them captive, they will, they will captivate us. And that's where I was, um. So we love y'all, and I'm going to let Miss Tina talk. All right. So really quickly, because the star of this show is about, we're running out of time here. So I'm going to just be super quick. Um, first of all, a wise, wise lady. Of course I'm going to cry. Phyllis Bush taught me this. So Phyllis Bush taught me that gratitude keeps depression and anxiety at bay. It keeps it far away from you. When we focus on the good, on what our God has done in our life, it keeps our anxiety at bay. And it's so important. So a friend of mine about a year ago gave me this gratitude journal. And it was like, so every day I would try to write things that I was grateful for. But if you study the scripture, the Bible talks an incredible amount about our mind and the way that we think and controlling our thoughts. And it's going to blow you away if you have not studied that. So I encourage you to do that. Google it, go through the Bible, find some scriptures about your mind. And so um, about a year, about well, probably like six months ago, somebody challenged me to change my journal and be super intentional. So instead of just writing things that I was grateful for, to look for things every day to be grateful for. So now the, 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 the game changer is to spend your day looking for good things instead of focusing on negative things. We were born with a sin nature and it's super easy to be negative. How many of you feel like it's pretty easy to be negative? I think it's super easy to be negative, but if we choose to be positive and throughout the day, you are thanking God for things like, oh, my friend just opened the door for me. Oh, somebody gave me a compliment today. How nice is that? My kid called me, you know, like whatever it is to be grateful for, to think about good things and to journal that at the end of the day. So you start training your mind to be positive instead of negative. It's just super practical. And then I also wanted to share with you 
So write this down, worryfreefast.com. So a friend of ours uh, lives in Texas now, and she shared this on Facebook that her pastor's wife wrote this, and it's called worryfreefast.com. So she wrote this website, and it is like a 21-day fast from anxiety and worrying. And she does 21 videos, and there are scriptures to read. You can buy the book if you want to read buy the book. I'm cheap. I, I just read her stuff and listened to her videos. But if you want the book, you could buy the book. But I just think anything that you are putting into your mind plays a large role on our thoughts. And so I would encourage you, if you're struggling with negativity, hang around with positive people. If you're struggling with your prayer life, hang around with people that pray like nobody's business. Because I tend to gravitate towards people that make me want to be more like Jesus. You know, when I walk away from somebody and I think, oh my goodness, I want to know him like she knows him. That's a winner, winner, chicken dinner. You grab that person, follow them, stalk them, whatever the case may be. But I'm telling you, we have to be intentional with our thoughts, with our friends, and, and with our walk with Christ. And then the last thing that I wanted to say is just, um, you know, there, there's this big uh, T-shirt wearing slogan, I am enough. And we are enough. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes those words can smother you. Have you ever really thought about I am enough? Like that can take the breath away from you. So... My parents have been struggling. My dad passed about a week ago, and both of them had COVID. They're both over 90 years old, and I was one of the primary caretakers, the non-medical primary caretaker in the midst of a slew of medical geniuses. And so, um, of course, one night, my mom has a mini stroke, and who is her caretaker? Tina Trosclair, the school teacher. And it's like, what the heck? And so, you know, like, you're okay, I'm enough. Look, Ben, I'm enough, God. I'm enough because you're in me. And I, like, you're kind of coaching yourself. And I'm seeing her speech slurred and she's telling me she needs water and she wants me to brush her teeth. And I'm like, no, this is like bigger than that. And so I'm like, I'm going to call Dan. No, don't call Dan because my mom's a woman of faith, like a little Moses. Don't call Dan. I'm fine. I'm like, oh no, I'm calling Dan. And so, you know, like sometimes we just have to be enough for that minute. Sometimes we just have to be enough to get through that moment. I can't be everything. I'm not my sister who has 30 years of cardiac knowledge. I, but guess what? I have a connection to my sister. So after I called my brother, I FaceTime my sister. Like I'm bringing in all the medical professionals. And God was enough. And her stroke dissipated. And we have seen God move a thousand times. But what I want to encourage you is Jesus inside of you is enough. But you don't have to think about the big picture because I, I started kind of like, okay, I, I can't be this much. This is more than I can be. But if you can just be enough one moment at a time, for you four and your fives, let's think about one moment at a time. Don't get caught up in, in looking around because, look, comparison will kill you. If you are struggling with comparison, please get off of social media. It is a joy sucker. If you're trying to look, social media is a highlight reel, okay? This is the best of. Ain't nobody putting all their, well, some people might. But anyway, <laughs> delete, delete. All right, guard your mind. That's all I want to tell you. Love y'all. Good. So does this mean, Pat, that we can all go to the beach like tonight? 
because that's my place right there. Do y'all need to stand up for a sec? Are you like, are you behind to sleep? If so, go ahead and stand up for a minute. I'll stand up with you. Who needs to? Don't everybody leave. Just stand up and then sit back down. So I'm going to defer my time to my sister Kathy. But just the one thing that I would say um, for me is that for, for me, worship is always the right response. My go-to is is to worship. Um, whether I, it's in my mind or out loud, as loud as I want to be, if I'm by myself or in my car or just kneeling before God. But, but for me, when I'm overwhelmed or the what-ifs are overtaking me, or I'm terribly disappointed because something is not happening the way that I wanted it to, um, or I'm afraid. I just, it's worship is always the right response for me. So, but um, this is, I'm Vicki, and this is my sister, Kathy. Are you going to cry? Well, I already am. Because of you. I was doing really yeah. good. <laughs> no, I'm not going to cry. Um, so I just want to introduce her real quick. Um, she lives in Gonzales. Uh, she is um, a role model for me. Um, she was very instrumental in my getting saved. Um, she she beat all of us. She got saved in the family first before any of us. And um, she has four wonderful children and, and wonderful grandchildren. And she is an accomplished educator and... Um, uh, liaison uh, in the school system in Ascension Parish. She was elected to the board of uh, what is it? Elementary. Board of Elementary and Secondary Education for the state of Louisiana. She served there. After that, um, she felt like the Lord told her to run for state rep. So she is a state representative of the state of Louisiana. So you would never think she would ever really go through anything too, too bad because, I mean, you know, all of those accomplishments. But when they started talking about anxiety, I thought, oh, my God, I've, I've got to ask my sister to come because we just walked through a journey with her into the depths of hell. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. And she said, yes, I believe that, that the Lord wants me to, to give my story. So I'm very thankful that she's here. So y'all just give your attention to her. And I might interrupt you a little bit. Yeah. Thank y'all so much. It is such a pleasure to be here. Y'all have blown me away. I'm not even kidding. Every one of you have contributed so much to the whole issue of anxiety. It's it's amazing. And I'm, I'm honored to be here. I really am. But anyway, so Vicki's uh, said a little bit about me, and um, so I've been a Christian probably since um, 1985, walked with the Lord, been in women's ministry, um, just was going along doing, you know, doing well, raising four children, not easy, uh, went through a divorce, but, um, you know, just always seemed to have a pretty good grasp on things. Um, meanwhile, I was... Uh, having a little uh, issue with alcohol all along the way. Um, some people knew. I think my family maybe knew a little bit, but not to the extent. Uh, I was not a, a drinker out in public because, of course, I had a witness that I had to maintain. 
So behind the scenes was where I did most of my uh, drinking. My mother, our mother, their grandmother, um, in the later years of her life, uh, began to drink wine. And um, so to make a long story short, um, I, I, I did, as Vicki said, I, I, I was I served on the uh, Bessie, and then I became a state representative. And so I was thinking, you know, that I had things pretty well together. But the more I went along, the more I recognized that I needed to stop what I was doing. Not that I hadn't been to the altar a million times and felt really good because it was over, but in fact, it wasn't over. I'd go for four or five months and not have a sip of anything. But um, the fact of the matter was that I was an alcoholic. And until I was able to recognize that and deal with uh, my anxiety, which is really what I think it was. Just all along, you're trying to control everything yourself. And you know, I had a, a few blows in my, in my adult lifetime. You, you just think you're doing a good job, but really and truly, the alcohol was, was the answer, so much more than what I thought. So I was elected in November of 2019, um, I was very anxious. I had retired from the school system. Um, and, uh, long about the 5th of March or the 6th of March, I'd had a, a few, uh, glasses of wine, um, at a, at a function at a meeting and, uh, because there's, there's a lot of that kind of thing in the legislature. You, you, you may know, but that's really not an excuse because really, after I left there, I'm sure I had a couple of three more in the car. And um, so I was on my way home, and all of a sudden, I was taking a left turn. I went into the, the turn lane, and I hit a car. And I looked up, and I saw a state trooper. And as I rolled the window down, it was like God said, you're done. This is it. And I went to jail for 13 hours. Um, I could have called people to get me out, but he just said, you're going through this, every single bit of it. And um, anyway, after that, was traumatic, wrote a letter to all my constituents. Everybody was more than gracious. But little by little, I just started feeling, y'all, so anxious and so depressed. It was just unreal. And... I remember uh, about July, I guess, I was over at Vicky's and my nieces were there, Sarah and Tori, and I just, everything that I ever felt in the way of anxiety was heightened. It was just so heightened. I took Vicky and my brother in the other room and I said, look, I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like I'm losing my, my mind. I feel like I'm losing my life. Uh, I don't know if I said, did I say mother had dementia? Our mother had dementia, and she also drank wine. And so all of a sudden, I started getting this picture that I was my mother. And I mean, when I say the enemy, every single line of how I was going to live, how I was going to die, was all laid out. And I, I, I can't even tell you, I, I just, the anxiety and the depression was, I, I felt like I was losing my mind. I remember writing on a, on a script, I mean, on a card, 
all the scriptures that everybody said about anxiety. I'm not going to say them again, but I will say this, that the word of God is active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And if you think it's not getting to you when you're not paying attention, you need to read it anyway because it is getting to you because it will change the very being of who you are. So anyway, I was... uh, I was over there, and I brought them in the room, and I said, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I just want to tell you, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I'm jealous of y'all. Y'all are living your life. You have your your kids here. My kids are there. I I, I can't even relate to them. I I, I was just completely losing it. I'm not expressing myself very well, but all I can tell you is I was losing it, and I kept saying over and over, I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my mind, and so I went to a rehab. And that didn't work out uh, because I'm old and I have a CPAP machine. And I went to this place where there was four young girls in there. And the lady looked at me and she said, look, she said, you can have the bottom box. (laughs) Going, ma'am, I I can't. Yeah, I can't even I can't even move in here. My my friend who took me there, she went in and she she said, could 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 we walk out just for a minute? And we walked out and she said. This place is not for you. <laughs> so anyway, I didn't go there. But I needed to go somewhere. And this is my oldest daughter. And she was, uh, everyone was totally stunned and totally at a loss as to what to do. Because I was that messed up. My sister, my brother, my children, my church, my friends, everyone. No one knew what to do. So anyway, Went to Vicky's, and then my brother said, come here. Come here for a while. So Vicky and um, you, Sarah, took me to, to my brother's Houston. and God in, in Houston. Yeah, and poor thing. I mean, oh, my gosh. He was going, well, why did I say this? <laughs> I asked for you to come here. But he, thankfully, my family, all of my family are such strong Christians. Our parents were strong Christians, and I'm so grateful. Because let me just say this. Without the foundation that I had, I would have never, ever made it through this. Never would have made it. So don't think if things haven't happened to you, that they may not happen in the future. And what you're doing right now, you're building that foundation for what is going to come in the future. That is very important for you to remember that the foundation is everything. And the foundation is the word of God, as we all know. So anyway, I went to my brothers and y'all, I'm not kidding. I was was not eating. I was not sleeping. So staying up all night, I forgot to tell you that in addition to stopping alcohol, on the day of the DWI, which was like March the 6th. I also had been taking Xanax to sleep for about 15 years. Prescribed one Xanax a night, but if you ever want to get off of Xanax, do not do it like this. I had to do that to go into the rehab, which I didn't go into, but I got off the Xanax, and it again, I think getting off the alcohol, getting off of the Xanax, and God just bringing everything to a head really made me just, I, I, I don't know any other way. How else can I say it except for, I, I just, I thought I was losing my, I would say it every day, every day, every day. Deep depression, deep anxiety, the Lord trying to, to get to me, me listening to him, but also the louder voice was the enemy saying, you see, you sit just like your mother. You see, you're wearing that shirt just like she wore that shirt. And I just, visions of myself being my mother. 
So when I tell you that the enemy has a plan for you, a plan for you that is all lined out. He may not say it like he did to me, but he's got a plan. He's had a plan ever since you were born. But the greater thing is that God formed you before you were in your mother's womb. And he has a plan. And that's the plan that's going to manifest. So anyway, I stayed with my brother, much to his dismay. And he would come in every night because, uh, I, I, like I said, I wasn't eating. My, my sister-in-law was wonderful. She would cook. I finally started eating a little bit. Wasn't so he'd come in in the morning. Hey, how'd you do, how are you doing? Oh, can't hear me. Hey, 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 did you have a good night's sleep? Nope, I didn't sleep. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> there's always tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, he just really did not know what to say. But anyway, I just, I just continued to stay in the Word, stay in the Word. While the enemy was in one ear, I was reading. He said, get in Proverbs. Okay, let's get in Proverbs. We're going to discuss it at the end of the day. Just go ahead and read the first two chapters, and then we'll discuss it. So I read the first two chapters, then I read the three and four, and the five and six, and then I'd, God would take me to different scriptures. All the while, I want you to recognize the enemy was still in this ear. And I had to begin to rely on the Holy Spirit to let me discern what I was feeling and what I was hearing, what was God and what was not. Because again, I was convinced that I had dementia and that I was going to die. I was convinced of that because he convinced me. So God had to just just bathe me in, in the spirit to talk me out of that, basically. So anyway, after a while, I, uh, I was there about a month and a half, came home. I, I just can't tell you. I, I, I was just looking. The way I looked out was just like it was just crazy. It was like just the weirdest thing. And every day was just weird and weird and weird. But I would just keep on. I would, when I came home, I just had so many flashcards up with scripture and with, uh, you know, when, when I first started realizing that God really did have another plan, he showed me that I had things that really needed to be purged from, from myself. And the one thing was negativity. I'd always been very, very negative. I mean, people didn't really maybe know that. My family knew that. But, yeah, but <laughs> but I, I worked with, with kids in the school system for over 20 years. And so, I mean, you know, I helped a lot of people. They didn't realize I was negative. But I was a negative thinker, and I was negative to my family. And so uh, he also showed me that I had a lot of fear. Fear drove me. That's where anxiety comes from, y'all, is fear. If there is an anxious heart, you have fear somewhere in you. And there's plenty of scriptures. You know, God didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. There's so many different scriptures that you can, that you, can you know, put on cards and quote. And uh, scripture is the most important. The other thing that was important was when I finally got a little bit of a grip and recognized that God was really with me. Gratefulness. Gratefulness. Just thank him just for anything, anything and everything that you could think of, just thank him because that, that gratefulness and that praise rolls into, I don't know, soundness of mind. When you're, when you don't have a sound mind, if you're, if you're grateful, it just, it just makes you be, uh, more, more sound and more, um, gives more clarity and that kind of thing. I had so much pride. 
I, I, I'm not saying I don't have pride now, but he just showed me how much pride was in me, and he dealt with that. He dealt with the controlling spirit, the Jezebel spirit. I lived with control. I lived trying to control everything. Again, that's from fear. That's from fear. And then uh, jealousy and envy, just all the things that I always knew about myself, but somebody said it. I, I wasn't in the scriptures like I needed to be. To have had the, the teaching and been in the ministries that I was in, there was no reason for me not to be in the Word, but I wasn't in the Word. I wasn't in the Word. And so the all of those things became manifest as he dealt with me and dealt with me and dealt with me. But even though he was dealing with me, I still, like I said, I still heard that other voice in my ear saying, you're not going to live. You're just like your mother. See, you can't remember. Again, I, I had, I had forgotten. My memory's awful, remember? And it was just like, everything was just lining up that he was saying. And so in order to combat that, the scripture and being grateful and knowing the foundation that Jesus Christ died for me, that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And just those things just started to well up in me. And that's why I say you've got to build the foundation now. Build the foundation now because we're coming into really hard times, and you don't know what's going to happen to you. So you need now to build that foundation in Christ and in the Word. And um, let's see, have I gone everywhere, all, all over the place? Is it? Okay. Um, and so I said, um, I love that, that anxiety is emotion and, uh, and a feeling. That's really good because I don't think we recognize that. It's something that we can control by the Spirit, but we, especially these days, somebody said it too, the word anxiety is everywhere. Depression is everywhere because of COVID and all the things that are happening to us. But it, they, 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 don't have to, they don't have to bind us up. They don't have to cause us not to be free because there's freedom in Jesus. We all know that, and we just have to avail ourselves to those, uh, those resources like the Word, like worship, like the songs that, that really mean. And, you know, if you listen for the Holy Spirit, you, you know, he, he would give me little sayings that I would put on cards and just look at them and say them every day. And, you know, repetition, I mean, you may think that that's really dumb, but I'll tell you what, that's what it takes for your mind. Jenny, you said your mind matters. Your mind matters. Your body matters. I'm not saying it doesn't, but your mind matters more than anything that you have because your mind is what you think, how you feel, and how you function. So if your mind is messed up, everything in your life is going to be messed up. And like you said, I believe he says there's so many scriptures about the mind, so many. Um gratefulness, the Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. Um, yeah, I, uh, several of my scriptures are, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your wants and needs made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Another one is, I will keep in perfect peace him whose mind has stayed upon the Lord. If your mind is stayed upon the Lord, you could hardly be anywhere but in peace. Um, so, you know, I know I've been everywhere, and I appreciate y'all listening, but hopefully there's someone in here that's struggling tonight with an addiction, 
And it, it's a it's a long road, but if you are able to confess that to yourself, confess that before God, and really ask Him to take that away, He will do that for you. I'm I'm living proof. I have no desire whatsoever to take another sip of alcohol, and I, I believe I'll be like that forever. Thank you. Just real quick, can I just uh, wrap it up? Um, you know, Kathy um, is a very open person, and she came to us. She, We knew what was going on. And I think sometimes we hide it, you know, or we don't want to admit it, or we try to just, you know, maintain. Uh, but when I, uh, when we went to a birthday party at in Gonzales at your house, and I, the Lord showed me something was very, very wrong. This is before she ever said anything. And I could just see it. And so I call, went home, called my brother. I said, we need to intercede for Kathy. Would you pray with me every single day? And he said, well, what is it? I said, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's not good. And so we started, we would call each other every day and intercede. Well, we weren't the only ones praying. She has amazing friends, church family, the body of Christ. Oh my gosh. I mean, I just saw it in action, praying and standing in the gap for her. And, and, and we did also. And so one day, um, she called me and she said, I just want to tell you, thank you for praying. And I said, well, of course she said, and I want to tell you, I, I know I don't have dementia. I was like, okay, this is changing. This is a shift. This is a shift. And she was, God was pulling her out of it. Did God allow her to go through that? Yes, he did. He was there all along, but whatever reason, you know, you have to go through hard things. God is there and he does something that sometimes that's the only way we could just hit rock bottom, you know? And so she, God just began to do that work in her and never, ever left her for a moment, even though it probably felt that way. And so if you see somebody struggling, pray for them, approach them, intercede for them. Uh, don't ever stop until you see their breakthrough. Because God will will give them a breakthrough, but we don't do this alone, right? We need each other. I'm proud of you. Can I just say one thing that's really funny? All right, this was that you know I look back and I, I I think of little things that were truly breakthroughs. Well, this was I was whining, you know, I'm just like mother. I got dementia. I was dementia, and finally Vicky said. I said that so many times, and finally she said, you are not like mother. And those words just like, boom. And it's like, that was just kind of a little breakthrough, you know? And so it's funny how, you know, people that love you say stuff like that. It's kind of a breakthrough. <laughs> and they do. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, we're, we're going to call our night right here. And first of all, let me just say to close our night, thank you so much. I mean, you, you stuck with us for two full hours, but the panel, thank you for what you shared. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the honesty, because that's what I know all of us need to hear. Thank you for the ones and the twos and the threes and the fours and the fives. And I, I don't want to repeat what Jamie said. You may be a five, but you're not going to always be a five. And those numbers do not define you. Christ defines you. Thank you for your time. 
Thank you so much. My prayer is that you do leave here tonight encouraged, equipped, and you feel capable. We pray that you have a safe drive home. Give some hugs. Yes, I was going to say, if you, if you want to come up and chat with us, exchange phone numbers, anything, the panel is here for you. We, we just want to give you some love. Say hi. Say bye. Peace out. You guys have a great night.